Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, it is week three of OTAs, the final week of OTAs for the Packers before they transition to the mandatory minicamp next week, which is what will conclude the offseason program. But we have an injury to talk about. Yeah. And it's actually not to a player. It is to new head coach Matt LaFleur. Apparently a basketball mishap of sorts resulted in a blown Achilles tendon. And the new head coach had surgery on Sunday. Correct. And I guess we'll see what this means. He's going to be cruising around on a golf cart on the practice field to see his players and communicate i don't know we'll have to see how this unfolds but uh um but the new head coach got uh, bit by the injury bug this spring so i obviously was not a collegiate or professional athlete at any point in my <laughs> lifetime i did play in the city league here in green bay for basketball for three years though and i'll be honest with you michael every single time i walked into that gymnasium whether it was green bay southwest or franklin middle school i always thought to myself I just want to walk out with all my tendons intact, <laughs> all my ligaments intact. I succeeded at that, but unfortunately for Matt LaFleur, not so lucky. A knockout game, I don't even know if I ever played knockout. I, I wasn't yeah, quick I, enough to play it, uh, and that that uh, certainly did it. Walking around with a boot, throw out, threw out the opening pitch at the uh, charity softball game on Saturday, a real trooper pushing through that. <laughs> and now for the time being, uh, now post-op surgery is going to you know, be a little encumbered here uh, for the next couple of weeks and months. Yeah, I guess we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens. But a coach who likes to be obviously highly involved in practice, they kind of feel like he's almost the, – the doctors are going to have to have to chain him down like a, an animal or something because he's going to want to do more – than he's really allowed to do and you know he'll be post-surgery this week he needs to let the thing heal and and get himself better but he you know he's going to be eager and want to be up and running around so i'm in a much better mood today uh, at the end of last week i was really stewing uh because i was getting these questions in inbox like does this mean the practices are going to go longer yeah uh, <laughs> is, is this gonna how is this gonna affect the preparation of the football team and i was getting so annoyed you might have sensed it in saturday's inbox where it was just like you got to be kidding me They've been playing this game for a century now. Not every they've coach got, has to throw to the quarterback. They've or got twenty plus assistant coaches yes. on the staff. These things can be handled. Well, and the other thing I wrote in inbox too, <laughs> I can guarantee you, I'm not going to name names. There has been much more important health issues that have happened with the Packers coaching staff over the last ten years than a ruptured Achilles tendon. Yeah, it had never bubbled to the surface. So, for Matt Lafleur, it's going to be a little bit more challenging. It's going to it's going to make him have to alter his coaching style a little bit. But I have pretty good confidence he's still going to be able to lead practices without having to throw a football. Yeah, I think he'll be okay in that respect. Turning our attention to the players and the guys in the locker room, um, story that I posted <clears throat> late last week on the website, just taking a real overview, bir bird's-eye view, so to speak, of this uh, revamped outside linebacker core for the Green Bay Packers. A few of them talked last week after the open practice. And it's interesting, Wes, I'm trying try to paint a picture here for the fans. Those who know something about the Packers locker room, it's in the shape of a football. And so if you picture it at one end of what would be sort of like one of the semi-pointed ends of the football is where the majority of the outside linebackers are. And it just so happens that the top four outside linebackers right now on this team have their lockers all right next to each other. So you look up at the nameplates and it goes Smith, Gary, Smith, and Fackrell, like right in a row. 
kind of interesting, yeah. kind of cool the way it worked out. But but the other thing I want to point out with regards to this is that it's not an accident that Rashawn Gary, the first-round draft pick and number 12 overall, that they placed his locker right in between Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith, the two guys who are now, yes, they're new to Green Bay, but they are the veterans at the position. They're in their fifth year in the NFL. They have the most accomplished resumes in this league. Kyler Fackel right behind them. So the rookie is right in between those two guys, and boy, if he's got any questions, he's got uh, plenty of ears that are willing to listen and uh, and take in what he has to say. And each of these guys are going to be their own football players. I don't want to paint it as you know, Rashawn Gary is going to be a prototype of Zadarius or anything like that. But I just think about the amount of knowledge in the back the background that you know Smith has in this offense now, and what he's going to be able to relay to Gary. Because I think when you when you really break it down, Michael Preston Smith is a really important piece. He's going to be a player that's going to play a lot for them this season, a good track record with durability. Kyler Fackrell came on last year, 10.5 sacks. But Zedarius is the guy, Zedarius Smith, that is, is the guy that was the, the first signing, right? Yeah. The one that, that drew the headlines. And Rashawn Gary is the first-round pick, 12th overall. That's the future of this defense, not only just in terms of what they bring to the table athletically, but the way that they're going to use these guys. So seeing those two build off each other, I think it's going to be really important. It's going to be important in 2019. It's going to be important moving forward. And the thing I like the most out of all my years covering this team, there's just so many different facets to that pass rush. Now, when you look at Kenny Clark inside, the way Dean Lowry's come on, Mike Daniels coming back from injury, and then this plethora of outside backers that bring so many different skill sets and strengths to the table. Jair Alexander mentioned this a little bit. I believe it was Jair talking to the media saying, you know, those guys, they're going to get after it. There's a lot of talent up there. It's going to open up things for us on the back end as well. So seeing how those two areas play off each other, the pass rush, trying to get more takeaways, it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, and one thing I want to clarify a little bit or maybe differentiate uh, this year compared to last year and in seasons past we're hearing a lot of the talk about versatility with right. these outside linebackers, that they can line up on the edge, they can also kick inside and attack as a pass rusher from the interior. We heard a lot about that uh, over the last several years right. as well. And I don't mean this, I don't want anybody to take me the wrong way here. This is not a criticism of Clay Matthews, but I'm going to use him as an example here. Clay Matthews was 255 pounds. Off the ball. You know. Yeah. So... But you take a look at this now. Preston Smith is 265. Right. Zadarius Smith is 272. Rashawn Gary is 277. You kick those guys inside, they're a little bit more equipped physically to take on the guards and the centers when it comes to providing that interior rush. The Packers like to move Matthews around a lot because they didn't want an offense to just zero in right. on, okay, Clay Matthews is lining up here every play. And if we want to do a chip with a tight end or a running back or a double team of some kind, like they knew where he was going to be, the Packers wanted to move him around. But I think the body types the Packers have now at this outside linebacker spot that they brought in lends itself to a little bit more effectiveness with the versatility in terms of if a guy is going to be one-on-one -on -one with a guard, yeah, having an extra 10 or 15 or 20 pounds, it's going to make a difference. Yeah. And Kyler Fackrell, for that matter, at 245, he doesn't necessarily have to kick inside to, to add to this versatility thing. He can stay on the edge where he is the best when he rotates in and let those other bigger guys go inside if Mike Pettin wants him it's to. A great 
great point you bring up because, I, and I don't want to make any comparisons between Kyler Fackrell and, and Matthews. Matthews was his own player, but right. but Fackrell has more of that skill set in terms of the athleticism at the position. That's why the Packers drafted him. Yeah, they wanted him to be a really good and solid member of that rotation as a pass rusher, but you heard Mike Smith talk about it as well. He's also their best zone-dropping guy. Yes. He's a guy that can move around at that second level like Matthews did. Right, exactly. The difference with these guys is it's in the trenches. It's in a three-point stance. To be perfectly honest with you, Mike, in all my years covering the team, I felt like they had one guy that did that very well, and it was Julius Peppers. Yep. Otherwise, yeah, you had Mike Neal do it a little bit. They tried it with Nick Perry. The only one that I thought was truly like a big difference maker at that spot was Peppers. I would agree. And what he was able to do, and I think the stats bear that out. What's exciting about Perkins and also in this oh, – Perkins, excuse me. Wow, Gary. I don't know why I'm thinking Perkins. And also with Smith is that – those guys can move inside, and they can still be at home. And I think that's going to be a big thing for what Mike Pett wants to do with this defense. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I'm, I'm really interested to see how this shakes out because when you look at the depth of the unit, and we'll see beyond these top four, where you have Reggie Gilbert, you have Kendall Donerson, you know, you have uh, a couple of undrafted rookies that, will brought, that were brought in, and we'll see how that shakes out. But when you look at these top four, <clears throat> there's a couple different ways you can go with it. You can have... Smith and Smith, and then if your number two set or your number two pair is Gary and Fackrell, you have a bit of a rotation there. Or you can have three of those guys or maybe even all four of them on the field at once in a certain package, as I said, because the body types lend themselves to a little bit more of the shifting around. So that's where I think all the talk about versatility, it's it, it's not just a word. It's a word that we hear a lot. I think the application of it is going to look very different this year and hopefully more effective this year than perhaps what we've seen in the past. Yeah, and you have to cross your you know, your fingers a little bit that you can get through the off-season program and training camp without injuries to yeah. actually see that come to fruition. Yeah, you want to see these guys stay healthy. Because, I mean, how many times did we talk about, oh, it'd be great to see Clay Matthews and Julius Peppers both rushing from the inside for, or from the outside, very rarely did it end up working out that way over the three years with Matthews moving to inside backer for a year and a half of it. So, again, there are going to be so many different things that play into that. But as I was talking about last week with Brian Gutekunst in one of the interviews I did with him, if you're able to actually do that, the waves of pass rushers that you can send at teams, right. with the, the crescendo being third down dime packages and potentially having all four of them on the field, that's... That's how it's drawn up right now with, the, with, the, with what the Packers want to achieve. Yeah, and as I like to say, one sack in the fourth quarter is worth two in the first quarter. Absolutely. It, it, really, yeah. it really can be in this league. And it sound, like the thing is, too, is that it's not even just about what the impact of that play, but the position that players have to put themselves in to still be able to bring it that way in yeah. the fourth quarter yeah, as late, well. Late in the game. You've been out, the, you know, the game has been going on for two and a half two and three quarter hours and you got to make a play defensively when the game is online you want those pass rushers to have some juice you, you, they, yeah. they need something in their legs for the finishing kick absolutely yeah all right Wes the Green Bay Packers get ready for game day with the powerful noise canceling technology of Bose Quiet Comfort 35 headphones too learn more at www.bose.com slash backers Bose the official headphones of the Green Bay Packers. And at home or here in the stands, we all know that Green Bay fans give it their all, and that takes a lot of energy. So grab a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Packers fans everywhere. Try the delicious classic chicken noodle soup. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. Staying on the defensive side of the ball here, Wes, another player 
who spoke to the media after last week's open practice, had some interesting comments to deliver. And I'm talking about second-year cornerback Jair Alexander. And strictly from a demeanor standpoint, you mentioned it. This is a guy who's, after practice, boy, he was all business. All business. Yeah. A very straight-laced, uh, probably the most serious I've ever seen Jair Alexander. Because <laughs> usually, you know, he's he's fun. I mean, he still was fun, but, I mean, he's he's very – just, just confident and just, just sort of like takes everything loose and, and relaxed. Loose and relaxed. Yeah. It just looked to me like a guy that he knows what he did last year. PFWA All Rookie Team member, right. uh, certainly you know uh, a team leader. Even though he was only 21, 22 years old, and now he wants to make that next step. He didn't talk for long, but I thought the words that he said were powerful. Yeah. You know, he looks at he wants to be a Pro Bowler. He wants to be an All Pro. He looks at last year as a good starting point for him, but as he said, now he wants to put his stamp on it. He also had a phrase of saying that this is his dog year. I have no idea what that means, <laughs> but it sounds pretty cool. And the fact that you look at the way that this defense is structured right now, this young man, with the impact he was able to make, moving around as much as he had to last year, mm -hmm. there's a lot of reasons to be excited about Jair Alexander, and I think from a mental standpoint, it's only June right now. There's so many things that have to happen between now and that first game against the Bears on September 5th, but I just think that this is a guy with that is just primed to achieve those goals. Yeah, I mean, I really like the the attitude, the approach that we're seeing and hearing from a guy like Jair. As you said, he makes the all-rookie team, but you know, certainly not satisfied with that by any means. He's got he's got much larger, loftier goals for himself. I think I mentioned this on the show before earlier this spring. I did interviews with both Alexander and Kevin King for a feature story I'm working on for the Packers yearbook about them being the two young, you know, one-two punch at, at cornerback and how unfortunately they weren't on the field together all that much last year because both were dealing with injuries at different times. But one thing that stood out to me in the interview that I had with Jair, I asked him about that game out in Los Angeles against the Rams when he right. had the five deflected <clears throat> passes, um, five broken up passes in that game, which is probably the one game of his rookie year that sticks out in your mind the most as far as a, a, a complete and total performance. Okay, I was going to say, other than that and, interception that ended up getting called back. Well, yeah, the, the interception that didn't count. We talked yeah. about that one, yeah. too. And, uh, but I know and what, I, still, not, I know what yeah. But – the thing that I really liked and that was interesting to me when I asked him about that game is almost the first thing that was out of his mouth is that, hey, if I can get my hands on the ball five times, I got to get one or two picks out of that game. Right. Like he's looking <laughs> back at that game and saying, okay, yeah, great performance and everybody was talking about it yeah. for a long time and everything. But to him, it still wasn't good enough because, as he said, get your hands on the ball a handful of times. He wants to have one or two turnovers out of that. That's the next step that he wants to take. Yeah, and as he mentioned too, as I talked about in our last segment, the the pass rush and, and the amount of bodies that the Packers have right now, if you can keep those healthy, he thinks that's going to help them on the back end. Oh, yeah. You know, shorten up that play clock, forcing the quarterbacks to make errors, and then if the ball is in the vicinity going up and getting it. The thing I really like about Alexander, though, in terms of his skill set, we saw it so far in the offseason program. He's been lining up a lot outside, seeing a lot of Devontae Adams in practice. Yeah. I really like the idea of keeping him out there and, and having Kevin King on the other side. And then when you get into the situations when you want to trail guys, when you want to you know shadow them, then you start moving Alexander around. He can play the slot. He probably can be an all-pro player in the slot if you want him there. Mm -hmm. But I just think there's a real value in having a guy that doesn't appear like there's really a, 
a let up at either position. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Demarius Randall had a lot of skill in the slot, and I think, but it was it was a better spot for him than when he was on the boundary. In in some ways, it was similar with like Micah Hyde, right? But with Alexander, it just feels like whether he's in the slot or or he's outside, he's the best cornerback on the field. He's the best player, one of the best players on the field. And then with having King and six three and four four, you're gonna write about in your story. But I asked him too, and he gave a really quick answer, but it was truthful. In that, what does King give you when he's healthy and on the field? Two shutdown cornerbacks. And if you ask any yep. head coach, any defensive coordinator in the league, that's what you want. Yeah, and I think and I think what I like the best about them as a pair is the two different physical body yeah. types. Kevin King and Jair Alexander can probably you put him in a forty yard dash and it's a photo finish, but. Kevin King is the six foot three, and Jair Alexander is is the shorter but quicker and shiftier in the short area type of thing. From a defensive coordinator's perspective, Mike Pettin really likes almost in almost in the way that Matt Lafleur was talking about wide receivers last week, and in, in that discussion about you know having different areas of expertise so that you can look for certain matchups. Defensive coordinators want to do that too. Yeah. They want to match up certain guys on certain guys. And yeah, it'd be great if you can have if you could have a whole stable of six foot three, six foot four cornerbacks, but they're pretty rare. Right. You're not gonna you're not gonna have three or four of them on the same team. It's tough to have that coordination when you're that tall too. Yeah, exactly. Regardless if you can run a four four or not. Yeah. So having having those different body types again, it just gives Mike Petton more options in terms of he looks at the receiving core of the opponent. Okay, how do we want to match these guys up? I think from my discussion with them, I think Alexander and King are gonna argue a little bit over who should get the number one guy because they yeah. both have that competitive mentality that's really going to be up to Mike Pettin I think it's going to be a matchup issue based on physical characteristics in a lot of ways totally and it's something that'll probably get said a little bit in training camp if King's able to stay out there and put you know some of those soft muscle injuries behind him in some regard the same thing with King he or I should say with Alexander he had to battle through some groin injuries but the thing I that really stood out to me with what how much we saw Alexander last year I don't know if you feel differently about this but Maybe Tremont Williams in his prime, but I'm just trying to think of anyone that's played that position that is able to stay step for step, not necessarily with the receiver down the sideline on a go route, but when they get that break. Uh, Alexander was like glue on receivers last year that if you know if they do a quick out or they, they, they do an out and in, he's able to stay stride for stride and contest those catches. That's special. Uh, because a lot of times what happens is you got to play your certain leverage. you got to know where you're going to be able to, to get to. Alexander actually seems to have the quickness that if there is an error, he's going to be able to make up for it, not just going down the sideline trying to catch up to a football. But when the ball is there, it's on a dime, and it's a seven-yard out route trying to get a first down that he's going to be able to put himself in the position to get the ball. Yeah, he's got a, un- he's got a unique skill set in that regard because uh, because of that quickness, he plays bigger than the five nine yeah. or whatever it is that he that he's listed at. He doesn't play like a five nine cornerback that teams will look at and say, "Oh, well, that's a matchup we can go after." They they have to be careful. If you put yourself in the vicinity of the football, it does not matter how big you are, how tall you are. It matters on what you can do in that instance. And I just think that that's the impressive thing about Alexander. And hopefully now, if you can get if you can get Kevin King back on the field and healthy, we saw some of those traits too, especially during his rookie season. Yeah, all right. Well, it's about time for us to get out to another OTA practice. And with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. If you're a podcast listener, subscribe to us, like us on iTunes and other podcast services on Twitter. He's at Wes Hot. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.